welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with your charismatic host and prominent safety expert, Dr. David Perotin. Be entertained and informed as the Safety Doc discusses both best and bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. The truth will keep you safe. Follow Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. This is David and welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. Today we're going to talk about Hurricane Irma. I mean, how how can't we? It's it's everywhere in the news, and and I recorded a few podcasts about Hurricane Irma, and decided not to go with those because there were such significant changes in the hurricane. And the first one I'm going to talk about, you know, is the spaghetti model. You've probably seen that on the news. Um, it, it looks like a whole bunch of strands of spaghetti. They run multiple models of where the hurricane, um, the projected path is, where landfall is. And, and they look, you know, squiggly lines all over the place. And, and most of these had the hurricane centering on Miami or else coming up the east coast of Florida. And of course, what happens? You know, it goes on the west coast and I'm going back and looking at the, the earlier models and the images that I copied down and very, very few of these spaghetti models, maybe out of a thousand model simulations, um, had the hurricane coming up the west side or closer, you know, toward the, the Texas, the Gulf of, of Mexico side. So um, here we are. It is currently the evening of September, uh, Saturday, September 9th, and we're looking at uh, Hurricane Irma centering on Tampa. And Tampa is on the west um, side of, of Florida. So um, Miami being at the bottom and, and then Looking at the west side, um, you know, about two-fifths of the way up the coastline would be Tampa. Then, you know, further inland, you'd, you'd go up and you'd get to Orlando, and then eventually you'd work your way up toward Tallahassee and, and Jacksonville. But but no one expected Tampa, so Tampa got late notice on evacuation. Uh, 335,000 people in Tampa, but a metro of 300 or 3 million people. Okay. So Metro 3 million people and looking, um, the interstate that runs through Tampa is interstate 75 right along the coast. Um, on the other side, the East coast is I 95. So both of those are going to be impacted by coastal, um, surge water. So looking at live cams just a few minutes ago, um, it is virtually a standstill on the interstate. And what happens is when people evacuate, they bring um, trailers with them. So they have, you know, the trailers or their boats, and then they load them up with personal belongings and things like that because they're not sure when they can get home and, and they want to um, not have those items damaged in the storm. So it's just not uh, your typical cars that are on the road, but you're talking about, you know, uh a vehicle that's pulling a trailer. So it's very slow, very slow, very congested. So the fact that um, the predict prediction models did not indicate Tampa, um, and, and that wasn't even mentioned until, you know, just just in the last um, several hours, that, uh, you know, Tampa is, is definitely slow to to be activated for um for evacuating. Now, Tampa, you know, fortunately does have some options, you know, once, once they start working up, they're already, you know, closer, um, to getting to, um, into Georgia, maybe over into Alabama, but still we're, we know that I-75 is probably going to be congested. Well, not, we know it is congested. Um, 
running along the the coast, and then you know the I four will merge into that, or else it'll merge into I ninety five on the other side. But I, I, not to get too too much word salad with with this map stuff, but I'm just saying um, these spaghetti models they they really bother me. It bothered me when when the first few came out, and then people would post little spoofs about them, like, "What am I supposed to do with this?" Um, and and that's just just the thing. I think they're self defeating. I, I think in the public to show a spaghetti model of here's a thousand possible landings, and, and it did trend again more into to Miami. Well, the reality is, um, and I, I looked it up. I, was, I I went and I was doing the water temperatures around um, Southern Florida, and also um, the barometric pressures and so forth. And and I did, I recorded this in an earlier podcast, which I'm not going to air because again, things have changed, but I was very skeptical, um, because we have high humidity in uh, temperatures of 85 to 87 um, degrees. Um, you know, we have, we have water temperatures, um, in the, the low to mid eighties off the coast of, of, um, Miami and then also, you know, off of, of like Tampa. So, you know, we have very warm water, which is which stores, which has uh, potential energy, which then goes up into the hurricane and be and becomes kinetic energy or or contributes to changing um, a category four into a five or making a four much more powerful. So, the warmest time for the um, Atlantic Ocean surrounding um, Florida is actually August tenth. It, it, going back through history, so we're still in this very warm frame of uh, of time right now. The span for very warm water, which has potential energy, which then comes up as kinetic. So as I'm looking at this and looking at kind of the numbers, you know, that are between um, you know ocean temperatures and, and land temperatures between that um, my be, between Miami. And then also looking over kind of to, toward the Gulf, I'm like, ooh, there's a lot of moisture. There's a lot of humidity. Um, there's a lot of potential energy that could get pulled into kinetics. So I'm not, I'm not sure this is going to track the way that they say. Now, of course, this is all revisionist because <laughs> people are like, yeah, Dave, sure, you're a weatherman, right? Um, but no, that's, I, I just think this, these models, to put them out in the public, they're very difficult to interpret. And the reality is until the storm actually gets very close, you're not going to know what the impact of this potential energy, this is, you know, this, all of this power stored in the ocean. Um, and, and plus, um, you know, the, the, the land, um, you know, temperature, what's, how that's going to contribute. And it contributed in a huge way of shifting the storm, um, more toward that Tampa area. So I want to start today with, um, well, I guess I start today with that. So I'm, I'm not sure where we're going to end up on time in, in this because I have a number of things that I want to cover, and I don't want to make this just a typical here's what to do if there's a hurricane-type show because um, you've already been through that. I'm going to talk about some things, though, very specific with social media that are presenting, which I have never presented before for hurricane rescue. And, and to help you kind of understand what that means if you're involved in the rescue. And actually, there are people from my area who have gone down um, to participate in what's called the Cajun Navy, um, which is a civilian-type organization, kind of a, a grassroots um, uh, National Guard type of association, although it's not government-affiliated, which responded to Houston. So the Cajun Navy 
There's also like a Texan Navy, and, and I guess there's other organizations kind of similar to this, um, will be present at, at, um, at, you know, in Florida to help out. So it's a it's going to be a different situation, though. So I'm going to talk about that. But um, let me start out with, with just changing pace a little bit. Um, I enjoy coffee, black coffee. All right. Black coffee, strong, like the the maximum dosage of coffee to distill out the most caffeine possible. That's me. And uh, I want to get um, Hills Brothers Dark Roast. And, you know, it comes in the metal can with a plastic lid. And I'm, I'm shopping, at, doing Walmart shopping yesterday. Um, and anyway, it's like every can I'm, I'm picking up off the shelf has a dent, like somewhere, in, or multiple dents. So, you know, I, I'm having to, like, pull can after can after can to finally get the one can that wasn't used as the hockey puck, you know, back in, in the warehouse or the by the loading dock. Um, and actually going back to my days working at Menards um, Home Supply Store here in Wisconsin, but uh, back about uh, 1991-92-ish, uh, we would go, and if it was a slow day at the end of the day, um, we actually played hockey, uh, makeshift hockey back in the the warehouse um, area not with with goods that were sold to the public but we had these makeshift hockey sticks and kind of a, a good way just to build a little interdepartment rapport there at uh, at Menards uh, which actually was a very good place um, to work as a college student very good place to work um, so anyway yeah I guess I did I did get the one non-dented uh, can which doesn't matter because I'm, I'll put it in recycling anyway, I guess. But um, so we talked about the spaghetti models. Um, people, people are. I, I've been contacted by several people um, directly through email, through Twitter, through other um, means of, of social media. Um, the show does get out on the four hundred five media um, dot com, and. Uh, I was checking them. Had another email come in. Shows out on the 405media.com. The last show where I talked about um, Hurricane Harvey. So you know that that's broadcast out of the L.A. area, Los Angeles. So thank you for the listeners of the Safety Doc Show in Los Angeles, California, Orange County. Thank you very much. Um, and syndicated broadcasts worldwide. Um, and for everyone, uh, there's there's really been an uptick, an uptick in following of the show downloads views everything like that um i did say right now i'm still on i'm still on soundcloud um i'm probably going to be the last person to evacuate soundcloud um because that that seems to be going down but uh but i'm still on soundcloud i haven't made the jump to podbean it's a matter of time but i will i will let you know when that happens um updated the website uh thank you to larry roberts at readily random readily random.com some of the uh, best podcasts I, I downloaded Larry's podcast. Um, one I would recommend um, is uh, Sean Iams, I-A-M-S Fuller. Um, Sean Iams Fuller was interviewed by um, by Larry. Larry, Larry interviews just a tremendous guest, but um, I don't know the episode number. You'd have to go to readilyrandom.com, but that is, it, it's fun. It, it's it's fast-paced, but um, Sean Iams 
um, who has recovered from a um, severe drug addiction and has a sense of humor where he could stand up and do do comedy and he's just so energetic yet he he has he you know he talks about his his anxiety like you know there's a message from time warner cable call you know that calls back on something he's like nervous to call him back but um but uh larry roberts and the readily random uh podcast uh and larry larry's done um previous you know work in media and things like that he's a true professional but larry helped me get my website um up to the uh 20 uh, first century and, and it's looking great folks. Safetyphd.com. That's also now where we've done a WordPress plugin. So it's completely different than what it was. And the WordPress blog that I always did, um, that's been moved to private. Now it's, it's currently migrated over all, everything is there. It's just, it's on safetyphd.com, which makes it smooth. I can just go in and make my posts there, which I'll do. And of course, um, everything I post, I also post on the 405media.com out of Los Angeles. So you get to see it there too. And I, I keep things succinct, you know, to about 4,000 characters. So when you go in, for some of you, it's not going to be enough. Uh, but for, for most of you, it will be enough and, and give you, um, I'll give you links like saying, Hey, you should really like visit here. There's more information. Um, so. Uh, the show is on YouTube, so you can be watching me right now on YouTube. It is also, um, of course, on SoundCloud, the 405 Media, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Blueberry. Uh, you can find me pretty much all over. So I'm um, doing a little bit more of a wide shot today on the, the YouTube. Um, here, i got to bring up my arm thing a little bit. So, all right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I still haven't... Um, I'm updating the background. Actually, I'm going to rearrange a lot of things to to, to have kind of a different, a more um, uh, a background that's more aligned with with the new logos of the show and things like that. Just haven't haven't got to that yet. I'm doing some things here at the home. Have uh, updated some things. So, um, but anyway, so we had Hurricane Harvey. You know, hit. And Hurricane Harvey just inundated Houston, you know, Rockport and other areas, but with the storm surge and the winds. But then we got to Houston, really just drump, dumped and dumped and dumped and dumped the rain, you know, just, just pummeled Houston with rain and, uh, and the flooding. And, and so, you know, Houston chose not to evacuate. Now, Houston, you can evacuate east, west or north. There, there are many, many ways to get out of Houston, although like the infrastructure isn't that great. Houston's grown significantly. The infrastructure hasn't. So what would have happened if they would have evacuated is um, Houston's 80 feet above sea level, which isn't very high above sea level. It may sound like a lot, but it's not. Um, so 80 feet above sea level. And, and so, you know, Houston flooded out. And once Houston flooded out, had there been evacuations in place, um, a lot of people would have perished on the roadways. You know, you, you saw pictures of the interstates of, of the roadways, you know, under 8, 10 feet of water. Um, you would have had a lot of people perish um, trying to evacuate. So that was absolutely the right decision to not evacuate. Um, now Irma is is much is much different. You know, we we have a situation um, with Irma where let let's look at this. We have Miami at six and a half feet above sea level, folks. Six and a half feet above sea level. What that means is when there's high tide plus storm surge. Water moves very far inland, okay? 
It means it's just, it's not very high above sea level, okay? So um, Houston at 80 wasn't very high, but Houston drained actually pretty fast. Now, there's still standing water in, in Houston, and, and, and there, you know, that issue will take a long time to, to dis- dissolve. But, um, you know, looking, Houston did drain, but you, lo- you look at Miami at six and a half feet, so- storm surge is going to, to push in significantly. Tampa is... Um, it kind of ranges, you know, it's, it's an average. I was doing some numbers here about 75 feet um, above sea level. So, you know, better off definitely than a, a direct strike on, my, on Miami. So Tampa, again, 75 feet on average. Um, but closer to the Atlantic, um, you definitely are going to have lower, you know, you're going to be, you're, you're not going to be 75 feet above sea level once you get closer. And even 75 feet above sea level um, can be significantly impacted by storm surge. So, um, and, and the scary thing here also is we have Interstate 75 running up the uh, west side right along the coast, and then eventually kind of does veer in a little bit, which is which is good. Um, but that's going to get hit by storm surge if you're in the Tampa area. And then on the other side, um, like Coral Gables in, in that area, I-95 running up the the east coast is right along the coast, so it's going to be impacted significantly by, at some point, they're going to have to make a decision to shut 95 down, and maybe 75 from Tampa south is going to have to be shut down. It's just not going to be safe to drive those because winds will will just take vehicles right off the roads. Um, So, um, yeah, we... I, I've, I've, I've spoken previously. I'm not a big fan of, of benchmarking one event to another event because I think the circumstances are so unique. Um, and, and also the time changes. And I talked about this during the, the, um, 9-11 harbor rescue of people comparing that to Dunkirk, for example, the rescue 500,000 people on 9-11 from New York Harbor versus, you know, Dunkirk 380,000 people six, 60 years prior. And just saying, you know, the context and the technology and communications and things like that just changed so much. Um, but actually, I think we can benchmark um, aspects of Irma and, and Harvey because, I mean, they've only been two weeks apart. So I'm going to talk today. We're going to kind of benchmark the social media aspects of these two because they're, they're going to be virtually identical. Um, and, and something that we, we've, we've learned from Harvey very clearly is that people are going to social media for the rescue, um, um, to seek rescue and to seek identification about, or to seek knowledge and, and information about rescue sites. They're going to social media. And what they're doing is, is they're not necessarily going to, to, to websites as much as they're going to Facebook or Twitter and they're posting, um, things like I need help and this is my address because they know if they give an address that an address is already um, documented into a GPS system, GPS during a storm. You can still ping to satellites, which then tell you where you are in space. You have the, your GPS maps. You still were, you know where you are. So cellular, um, when cellular goes down, GPS still works. That's why you give your address. And, and I saw an article, I read an article, it said, don't take a picture of your house and post it online. I'm thinking, you know, if you need help, I'm thinking, I guess I can, I can kind of understand that. The other side is like, um, and hopefully like you've evacuated by this time because, um, well, I'll get into that in a second. But if you need help and you, and you post a, a picture of your house, uh, part of me is thinking that that's not necessarily a bad thing because 
if you're already giving your coordinates, people can bring up your house on Google Maps and the coordinates and know exactly what your house looks like. I mean, I can bring up my house on on Google Maps or, you know, if you go to like realtor.com or whatever these sites are. I mean, there's already images of your home that have been taken like right from the road. So I don't think it's that big of a security thing as what that's been been pointed out to be. But let's go back to something very essential here. During a hurricane, GPS still functions. GPS still functions because GPS pings to satellites, and satellites are not impacted by hurricane. Cellular is impacted by hurricane. Hurricane Andrew came through Florida, what, about 10 years ago, and text messaging still was able to get through the cellular towers. So what happens when cellular towers um, go down as, as they get impacted you lose the ability for voice communications because they take up more bandwidth. You lose the ability for internet and streaming um, video and things like that that takes up more bandwidth. That's down. You can typically still text. You can typically still text. And apparently you can typically still now use Twitter, which is text-based, as long as you're not loading it up with images. Um, so those are still going through towers. Towers can still handle that. And towers have become more robust um, but as towers, you know, become diminished um, by the storm, by the hurricane, texting will be the last thing that it, towers will be able to do. And then that will go down eventually. Then texting will be restored because it doesn't require as much bandwidth. Um, so here's here's what we saw during um, Hurricane Harvey. We saw people, and, and I have tons of screenshots, people contacting me. Uh, but I have tons of screenshots, and I have them now coming in. Okay, I have I have a screenshot. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna post it. I'm looking at it right now. Came in about an hour ago, um, and this was this was from somebody who posted um, uh, that they they're I'm reading the exact words here. Um, have um, Have you found? And this is sent to me, and then they sent me a, a graphic of someone um, posting on. Under the hashtag on Twitter, Hurricane Irma, under that hashtag, posting um, Florida, Florida emergency info, giving a number, um, 1-800-342-3557. I don't know where that links to. Um, and then www.floridadisaster.org. But, again, I don't know who monitors that. Um, it's a state emergency response team. But then, you know, what is the timeline? I'm getting back to somebody. I, I, I don't know. I've kind of checked those things out, but I don't, you know, again, there's people who really need those things, and I'm not going to go into exploring right now what other people are trying to get in. Um, but anyway, about an hour ago, somebody posted, have you found, this was posted to me, have you found the first responders emergency contact list? This is for Florida. Um, I'm finding um, uh, different different information, random notices only. So this is a person who, who is right now um, trying to navigate this issue going on in, in Florida and is saying, you know, I'm, I can't get a, a, a uniform list. I don't know who to contact. I'm getting different information. And here's the issue. As people move, and this wasn't really expected to hit Tampa, this has had to shift. So now in, the information is having to shift. Here's the shelters um, and the organizations that manage this is this really, again, is this through FEMA? Is this through the state? Is this through National Guard? And then you have these other agencies that come into play who jump in, and then and, and they get in and look at the hashtags, 
And, 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 and people have emailed me that work in the, the, these volunteer organizations who monitor these hashtags. And I know police and fire and, and all of that do that too, but I mean, they're, they're overwhelmed in these situations and people are evacuating. So what happened in Houston is people would, na- would, would watch these tags of like, you know, hashtag Cajun Navy and then, you know, Hurricane Harvey at that time, you know, I'm stranded at this location. I need help or, or whatever. And, and then you'd have self-dispatch from the, um, Cajun, Cajun Navy. So the Cajun Navy, again, think of this as a, a group of volunteers, um, who, you know, take their boats and their own resources and, and then go in and it's kind of like this house to house thing trying to rescue people or, or they're fed information then from these hashtags of saying, here's someone put out a request. Well, they're dispatching not necessarily through like an instant command system. They're not contacting police or fire. And not that this is bad. I don't want to say this is bad because I think the Cajun Navy and Texas Navy, Cajun Army, all these these groups are essential and they shouldn't be regulated. But we don't have a way to interface with them right now. So here's the deal. It's like um, think about it as if you needed to call the fire department, you know, you, you call 911 and you get to the fire department. Now, so that's like a direct call, you know, kind of going in. But imagine if, if you didn't have that, so you're outside and you're, you have a megaphone and you're yelling, fire, fire, I need help. Well, now, you know, like a hundred people hear that. So like, do some people just automatically run over and start to try to help you? Or do some people on their own then take your message and try to relay it to the fire department? Or, you know, what happens in those situations? So that, that's the problem with social media. The other part is we don't know how legitimate these things are. We don't know if they've been responded to. So someone posts a hashtag and said, you know, I'm stranded here or, um, you know, something, um, you know, let, let's just do that. I'm stranded here. Here's, here's my location. You don't know if somebody's responded to that. You'd have to look at social media to see if someone actually has responded. If someone, and right now, um, you know, you don't want people going volunteers, or, or emergency workers going into these areas. There's going to be a point when they're going to say when the hurricane is over top of, of, um, you know, the, these areas, they're going to say, we, we can't respond right now. It's not safe to put our responders out there. So you're going to have to wait, but you don't know. Um, so this is, this runs into that issue I talked about, um, in the last podcast of where we had the, the drone operators, the commercial drone operators wanted to help out with Houston. Now, first of all, drones cannot fly during hurricanes or even, um, stormy weather, so you'd have to have that calm. But the the drone operators were saying, "Yes, you know, we we will we will come in, take the guesswork out of this. We'll we'll come in, donate our services. We can put together, you know, work with you, put together grids." They're telling, um, you know, the the I don't know FEMA, National Guard, state, whatever. They would contact me too, like Dave. Who do we contact? I'm like, I don't know. You know, I I, I don't know. See, that's the thing. I don't know. Um, and Florida did a really nice job putting together, um, and Governor uh, Scott, Rick Scott, putting together um, a few days ago a list of here's different resources to contact, different places and things like that. And, and so I don't want to be critical of that because that is a, that is a huge step up from what happened with um, Hurricane Harvey. So really nice job with this. But, all you know, it's a dynamic situation, so what you put together changes. Um but you had these drone operators with Houston who wanted to come in and, and kind of do this this mapping out um, and then get this information back. So, again, you can fly a drone in, in you know, kind of calm, calm weather, 15, 20 minutes, and take this, this super high-definition video of certain 
longitude, latitude, get that back into a system. And you can identify then and say, oh, my goodness, this area is really hit hard or, or this area, you know, looks, you know, or our visual reconnaissance, early reconnaissance, this area fared pretty well. So we're going to move them down on the priority list a little bit. Um, but, you know, so you have it. You have to have a way to do that. So what happens when you start hashtagging this stuff out, like this social media rescue stuff, is you get people, multiple people responding to the same areas. You get people responding from outside of the areas, like the Cajun Navy. And I think three, three, three men in the Cajun Navy, I could be wrong, but I know there were some, were killed because they, they ran into um, live electrical. And not that responders from Houston or, you know, like from the fire department would have, would have exactly known that, that, you know, those wires were there. But if you're coming from out of the area, you don't know what's under the water. For one, you're not native to that area. So you have these people coming in and, and, and doing these rescues and are doing them per GPS. And God bless their hearts for doing this. Um, but you, you get into a situation, you might have multiple dispatches in the one area. Maybe that's not where you need people. Maybe, um, you know, so you're not maximizing your resources. The other part is, are you bringing people into harm's way? Is this not a safe area? Um, and also, this is different with Irma because it, in in – we, we have one way into Florida from the north. That's it. So you don't want people stay, coming in from the north right now to try to rescue. Um, that would be catastrophic. I mean, your interstate traffic is already just bumper to bumper. I mean, and if you're having people come in, um, they're, they're going to um, add to the, the congestion, especially if they start to open the other side of the interstate or at least a few lanes, you know, outward. But um, – it is, it is really, uh, how should I say it? Um, the instant command system with how social media works, you know, people putting out these Twitter calls, Facebook call, you know, calls for help and things like that. And it, it's really difficult for emergency responders because you can have, again, multiple responses. Or if somebody floods and just gives you like so many redundant responses from a certain area that can kind of overwhelm and maybe that's not the priority area. So again, you know, that's where the drone oper operators come in with a reconnaissance can really help you out. Um, but there's, so right now, anyway, there, there's a, there's a site called crowdrescuehq.org, www.crowdrescuehq.org. So I'm on the website. And this this site was actually active during um, Hurricane Harvey. It's, it's active right now. So it says um, people can volunteer. Now this is something too. I'm a little I'm a little sketchy on because some of the logos on this look kind of female-ish, and it's a very well put together site. And um, and these people are very well intended. I'm not not knocking this. Okay, I'm just saying we don't have a good way right now to interface instant command system of like. Um, who goes where and when, and what you do with your volunteers. So Florida has a number of volunteers, but you're going to have a lot of volunteers coming in from the Cajun Navy, Texan Navy. You know, the, the other states are just going to be sending volunteers down. And people did it from my area. They just they just, they just just went down. Um, it's very typical, very typical after 9-11. So you want to, FEMA, you need to stage these people. You need to stage these people. And right now you stage them probably out of your state. With the storm looking to hit Tampa, um, you know, I was initially thinking you stage, you know, somewhere Tallahassee, Jacksonville. No, I mean, you've got to go up into probably like Dothan, Alabama, somewhere like that to stage these people. Um, but you've got to get on this. 
you've got to let people know where to stage and you've got to say, hey, if you're commercial drone operators, if you're Cajun Navy or whatever, like here are five sites and then have people ready at those sites, which means you're dispatching National Guard or you're you're at a federal level dispatching active military to those sites and getting those sites ready, which could be, you know, huge fairgrounds. Um, you know, I, 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 I think of this um, documentary I watched of um, Sturgis. And how Sturgis, um, you know, the rally out in out in South Dakota, you know, Sturgis is what like twenty twenty five thousand maybe as a community, but then they have you know hundreds of thousands of people, if not more, attend the the bike rally in August. So there's actually like this this makeshift um, little town that exists for like ten days. It's put up up outside of of Houston, or not outside outside of Sturgis, and that exists for like ten days, and then they take it down. Um, and, you know, you, you've got to be able right now to do that. You've got to stage these people far away from especially the interstates. You want them off of 75. You want them off of 95. And then bring bring them in. Let them know when they can come in. And, again, you know, we we know that there's been legislation pushed um, in, in Texas and in, in Louisiana to um, limit civilian rescues like the Cajun Navy. And you can just, you should Google that. If I mean, I'm not going to talk too much about it. You can find so much about it, you know, on the net. But, um, and I'm saying don't regulate, don't regulate these groups. If anything, you know, like you have a registration, so you know, like who comes in. That was one thing, you know, when I was a firefighter, um, and this is the old days they had this, it's it's updated now, but I actually had a, a red, or not a red, it's a pink laminated card. And when you report it to a fire scene, you always had your card with you and you submitted your card. And that was a way that they kept track of you. Now, I guess in the old days, the cards that had a social security number on it, which was crazy. But, um, but yeah, you, you'd have some way that you'd identify and that's not really there now either. So it's like, who's, who's here and, and maybe like, you know, some, something, you know, with your skill set and, and some stuff like that. Cause the Cajun Navy actually had like a, like one group dispatched and they had a meteorologist was part of their group. Just, um, but any, anyway, so you, you have all, all of these groups, you've got to stage them. That's not coming out right now. So like, get that out, get that out to people who are going to want to volunteer and come down. And my, my goodness, like they're, they're in a Kmart parking lot in my town, I'm up in Wisconsin. They're loading up a semi right now for supplies for Irma. Now that's supplies, but you're going to have, People who are going to um, organize, you know, groups and, and be going down with boats and, and things like that. And you've got to stage these people. You've got to let them know where to stage. And, and you cannot stage them anymore in Florida. So you've, you've really got to look and look on a map. It's, it's going to be over to the, you know, Dotham, Alabama. Not too far from Tallahassee, but there you'd be far, far the, and the people in Dotham are like, Dave, what are you doing to us? Um, it's the peanut capital of the world, by the way. Um, but anyway, you've, you've got to stage people outside of this area because it's not going to be like Houston. Like it, again, Houston, you could come in and, and you had many different arteries to, uh, to get in and, and, and to get out. Plus you're dealing mostly with water here. You, you're going to have pretty, uh, significant, um, debris issues going on storm surge, which is going to go much further inland than it did with, with Houston, um, so it it is just you have less roads um, that you're going to be able to use. So you you want to make sure that you have rescuers coming down that you are in control of dispatching those rescuers and that they are not self dispatching. Um, 
So that's what I think should be the role of FEMA. So the head of FEMA, right, you know, is is Brock Long. Um, and, and I think Brock, you're from like that Alabama area, so you're kind of familiar with with what goes on down there. But um, you know, it's going to be a real key here to stage rescuers because I, I think California, not California, Tech, um, I, I've been working, I've been contacted by so many people, folks. I apologize for this, but um, the people of Florida, I think it's like seventeen thousand. Um, volunteers or whatever, state volunteers. I, and I don't know exactly what that means for people volunteering because I've seen different websites but uh, and what your expertise is. But this Cajun Navy, I mean, they're pretty, you know, skilled folks. You know, they've already, now they've got Harvey under their belt, you know, their boats and going in, uh, building to building and checking or else responding, you know, to these GPS coordinates or so forth. Um, you've got to have a, have a way to to manage these individuals to maximize their effectiveness. And also the fact that you have very limited roadways after this event will be done. So um, let me go to this. So I'm on this website again, crowdrescuehq.org. So it says volunteering is easy. Um, it, it says uh, we are not an emergency service. In an emergency, please call 911. The people during um, Houston who were emailing me said dialing 911 or 311 uh, was largely ineffective uh, during the heart of the severity of that event. That's why they turned to social media. Um, so I'm I'm just saying, okay. So crowd rescue is kind of. Uh, let me see. Um, at crowd rescue HQ at so it's on Twitter at crowd rescue HQ. Getting help to people who will be affected by Hurricane Irma. Um, joining forces saving lives when Hurricane Harvey slammed into Houston. Emergency dispatcher said, "Call for rescue. We aren't checking Twitter. Survivors unable to get through to 911. Did what came naturally. They turned to social media. That's what people are doing today. We have to prepare differently. And I said this before. During Harvey, say it again. People are going to go to social media because that's what they're familiar with, um, and it especially the millennial generation. But they're going to go to social media, and social media will travel with them." Um, and that is where we need to focus how we interface with rescues. It's going to be very clunky again for Irma. People will do the best that they can. And I don't have an answer for this. I, I've thought about this, um, and, I, and I'm going to contact a, a couple experts in the field that I think might be able to shed some light on, on how this might work for upcoming disasters of how FEMA, National Guard, um, states um, can better better interact with social media because you can't just tell people go to nine one one or three one one and and do these types of things because they're not they're going to go to social media this is where they're going so you've got to realize that and you know like Houston fire department and so forth and they would say you know they were they were would check they'd monitor but it, I mean they that wasn't like the primary thing they were doing but no you've got to have somebody come on you've got to, you you have to have a dedicated you know, monitoring of that. That's that's just the way that it's going to be. And the other problem is you, you get false reports coming out, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. So, um, you know, which you can have in, in anything, I guess, but um, social media is, is really the means now to seek to seek help. Hopefully people have, have evacuated. If you haven't evacuated for this, um, it really shows I, – I, I'm disheartened by it because it really shows um, you, you're not respecting the rescuers. Because, you know, Harvey was severe. Irma is is more intense. 
And for you to stay behind and, you know, w- with the number of days notice that you have, especially, again, if you're in the Miami-Dade area. Now, if you're in, in Tampa and you, all of a sudden you, you have 12 hours or whatever, I, I understand. But, um, you know, if you're, tr- if you're trying to stay at your house and, and you know, you, you can see the ocean from your house and you live in Miami, um, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, you need help, um, you know, can you really expect the, the, the rescuers to come and to try to, to help you? I mean, I just don't, I just don't see where that's viable, that's viable that you put someone else's life at risk to save your own because you didn't heed the warnings. So, um, anyway, uh, so the, this crowd rescue hq.org is saying you can go to hashtag Irma SOS for those needing rescue. So again, they're sending them to, to Twitter. Hashtag Irma SOS or hashtag Irma safe for those successfully rescued. The thing like I don't know is like who keeps this, this log of thousands or tens of thousands of people. And then, you know, if you see something, it was posted 14 hours ago, but then there was a rescue eight hours ago. I mean, how do you know? So again, it, it, there's this whole database issue, which has to be worked out. Am I telling people not to go to social media? Absolutely not. This is, this is a means. Right now, but a few things that we have to know is unlike Harvey, you're not going to have people coming in to rescue you uh, as as quickly. I mean, you should have heeded the the evacuation warnings. Um, and for rescuers, um, need some way to identify when something is closed, and it gets cumbersome because really the only way to clearly do that, what is it? It's to go back into social media and to post, "Hey, we went to this site, we recovered these people, and we're fine." But, you know, again, when we're talking, you know, I can post something right now and hashtag it out, Hurricane Irma, and I've got 2,000 impressions in a minute and a half. So it, it's, it's, very, it's very clunky. Um, and it's just the fact that we've evolved. We've evolved. Um, so it's nothing inherently bad. It's just we've evolved, and systems have not evolved in FEMA and National Guard and state governments to match the fact that people are going to use social media. And I have stated this time and time again, that all future sentinel disasters of of events, people are going to turn to the phone, to what they have. They're going to turn toward social media. And when that goes down and if they can ping, you know, if if their GPS is already downloaded, their GPS maps, they're they're going to um, be able to, you know, ping that out to, to satellites in a lot of cases, at least to know where they're at. Um, so let me, let me keep going on here. Um, actually I covered quite a bit. Yay. Okay. I, this is a message I received directly from somebody who was involved in Hurricane Harvey in this, this crowd rescue, which I just talked about, crowd rescue um, HQ. So this is someone who is a volunteer, not affiliated with the government, who was monitoring these hashtags coming in from people asking help. So this person wrote to me. Um, so, again, I call these people agents on the field. Um, many, many people have been in contact with me, providing me information, asking me to serve as a conduit in getting information out to other people and resources. I have, I've worked diligently to, to do that. Um, so this person wrote, um, I'm part of the alt.gov group that was data mining SOS tweets and adding them to an open source real time updating map, which I, I don't know. I couldn't find it. We joined with Harvey Flood 
Rescue, Harvey Relief, Cajun Navy, and other local volunteer rescue groups. FEMA and the Coast Guard are aware and support our efforts, which I believe is true. Okay, they support the efforts, FEMA, Coast Guard, and be also local, fire, police, EMS, all of that. They're aware. And actually, legislators, I think, largely support this. But where legislators get in and and passively support it, kind of not overtly support it, although, like, there's a lot of positive media that came out about the Cajun Navy, which is very good, which I think will kind of push these bills away of saying, well, if you're going to be part of the Cajun Navy, then you should go through... 25 hours of training, and you should have, you know, this type of certification if you have a boat and stuff like that. It's like, nope, you don't do that. You let these people do what they have to do. They're volunteers. They come in. It's a grassroots thing. They have tacit knowledge. They're familiar with their equipment. It seems to work pretty well. Um, don't mess with it. Anyway, um, I'm, I'll go on reading. We provided them tech support and help them communicate with each other and get the support and supplies they needed on the ground, like airbed for the Cajun Navy volunteers who are sleeping on floors. It's been all over the press. We have about 750 volunteers. Last count, 28,000 people were rescued with our help and almost 300 pets. What we are doing with Irma, our group is now called um, Crowd Rescue HQ, which I just gave you, crowdrescuehq.org. Um, we will essentially be doing the same for Florida, but now with some organization and more advanced tech, which I don't know what it is, um, I'm the lead for SOS social media, scraping, data mining, um, which, again, I, this, I'll get in contact with this person much more. Might even have this person on for an interview. This person contacted me specifically wanting to share this. Um, but, again, you know, it's not like, hey, can I have you on tonight's show? And, by the way, the hurricane's hitting tomorrow. Um, so I'm the lead for SOS, uh, social media, scraping data mining. I'm helping with placing, finding volunteers as well right now. So this is a civilian who's doing this. So right now I pause and I'm like, how does this get integrated into some larger database? So National Guard knows, um, what's going on. If there's already, already outside of state groups coming in, how are they, are they all interfacing through this? Are they interfacing on their own with different organizations? Um, so, yeah, I just saw they can use more help in the medical group if you're interested. Well, I guess I'm not a doctor. I am a doctor, PhD, um, but no, I'm sorry. I can't help in that. If you have any questions below, let me know. Um, so, um, so yeah, tremendous graft, uh, grassroots uh, effort. So so they're posting the these images on Facebook. If help is needed during Hurricane Irma, please use the following hashtag. This is a big ye yellow background, bold yellow. Hashtag Irma SOS, hashtag Irma Pet Rescue. Include address or detailed directions. I'm reading exactly what they've posted. It's like a JPEG comes up. Include address or detailed directions, phone number if possible, and how many people slash pets need rescuing. Also include info disabilities and or other medical concerns that may complicate the rescue. So you're posting all of this on social media, um, which, again, I mean, there's there's probably a lot of reasons not to do that, <laughs> like typically not to do something like this. But um, in this case, it works. This is what works. So let people do it, okay? This works. Let people do it. Let people do it. The issue, again, that comes into play is we have CrowdRescueHQ.org. And, you know, what I'm getting from 
my agents in the field, again, our message is like, have you, David, have you found the first responder emergency contact list? Again, just an hour ago, um, I'm finding, you know, random notices only. So people are going here, but then they're going other places. How does this interface with National Guard, with um, Tampa and Miami um, fire departments, police, and so forth? So um, it does create a very awkward rescue situation with very unusual instant command systems. Now, this stuff can work, folks. Like, it actually, again, worked on 9-11 when in New York Harbor, 500,000 people were rescued in nine hours um, through a, a makeshift group of tug pilots, sightseeing boats, some Coast Guard, but, I mean, largely civilian or, or commercial boats that came together to do this rescue. Tacit knowledge, a little bit of leadership goes a long way. People know what to do. Um, and these these systems can evolve, and they're not affiliations. People call them affiliations. They're not. They're systems. These systems can evolve, and they can live for a period of time of maybe between a few hours to a few days. And after that, they kind of, like, fall apart. Um, but they can live short term. You know, like, people can rise to the occasion in these resources and, and, and you know, um, they they can they can come in and, and and people know what to do and they can kind of figure out like what what to do. So again, we have the social media. So I'm telling you right now, if you are using social media, um, you have to realize that that it's being, you know, monitored by everybody that's out there in, in some of these grassroots organizations. But there's probably other organizations. How do you know if somebody's been responded to? How how do you not know? I don't I don't clearly have that. I've I've asked for that information it hasn't been provided to me. I don't think anybody knows it yet. That's where FEMA needs to to regroup after this hurricane season. And um, Brock, um, uh, Brock Long had a FEMA get in and and figure out what the steps are that FEMA is going to take to interface with social media, grassroots organizations, and also volunteers who are monitoring. Um, Dispatch of these grassroots organizations, um, inquiries from these grassroots organizations. I mean, a lot of frustration from people who are commercial drone operators during um, Harvey who came to me and said, you know, like, we're, um, we want to offer services, but we don't even know who to, like, contact. Or we try to contact this person. They say contact this person, whatever. So I'm going to take a break there and uh, let you uh, – hear a little bit more about the uh, Safety Doc podcast. would love to have you subscribe on YouTube, on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. I'm out there. Um, variety of issues, uh, information to, to make you safe. A lot of guests on the show. And uh, please con continue to uh, follow me at SafetyPhD um, on Twitter and then also SafetyPhD.com. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. 
Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. And welcome back. Welcome back to the Safety Doc Podcast. So, um, I have a document. Dun, dun. I have many documents. All right. Okay. This is an article um, written by Maya Rodin. It was updated August uh, 30th. And in this is one of the first articles I've seen. It's out of time. It's the, the heading is Hurricane Harvey, the U.S. first social media storm. Um, I'm going to, you know, read from parts of it. So victims of Hurricane Harvey turned to Twitter and Facebook for help as the floodwaters rose. But first responders say they should continue using 911 and local emergency numbers first. True. But again, what my agents in the field are telling me right now, who are down in Florida, um, and monitoring this, they're saying, they're getting mixed messages. They're getting multiple sites. The information is changing. Again, Florida anticipated that Miami would be significantly impacted by this, more so than Tampa. That doesn't seem to be the case now, so things have had a change. So no, people are gonna people are going to go to um Facebook and Twitter. So the fact that first responders say continue to use nine one one, yes. But, I mean, if people are going to go to Facebook and Twitter, you've got to meet them there, too, even though it's not a perfect system. Okay. As rain barreled down on Houston throughout the weekend, cries for help poured out on social media platforms. Hashtags like SOS Harvey and Help Houston were used to flag citizen rescuers. Accounts like at Harvey Rescue compiled databases of addresses and names of folks in critical need throughout the storm. You know, it actually worked pretty well. Okay. Retrospect, worked pretty well. It's going to work pretty well for Irma. The difference is you're going to have to wait a little more, a little more time is going to have to pass before you're going to have people coming in. And the hurricane is going to, when it hits landfall, you know, goes category three and then, you know, depresses just into heavy storms, it's going to impact these areas where you're probably going to have people staging also, um, you know, like Adolphin, Alabama, and things like that. So it's going to be different than, than Houston in that regard. So you're not going to have people coming in as soon. And, and you've got to make sure you're monitoring up on your major highways of, of you don't want people coming into these areas um, uh, until, you know, the, the storm has, has passed. And then um, also that those areas are, are safe, you know, down power lines. You have two nuclear plants, you know, southern tip of Florida and things like that. So here, here's a post that somebody made. Um, this was during Hurricane Harvey. I have two children with me. Uh, water is swallowing us up. Please send help. Um, a woman, uh, Maritza, tweeted early Sunday morning as 911 dispatchers were not responding. She decided to share her address with 463 followers and per- posted a call for help on Facebook. A little over an hour later, she tweeted that help had come her way. Got picked up by the fire rescue. She said, thank you. One of you had connections, and all I can say is I'm eternally grateful. So this is where these messages come out now, and they're getting picked up. And this one was fire and rescue, but that could have easily been the Cajun Navy, could have been the Cajun Army, the Texas Navy. Again, these are all civilian organizations, volunteer organizations, which are 
um, becoming integral to these large scale responses. So um, rescuers um, like, okay, so anyway, George Washington University media professor Nikki Usher um, has referred to Hurricane Harvey as the first major natural disaster of the social media age, which I would say is accurate. Um, just think back. At, when we had the Murrah City bombing um, back in 1996, we had 16 million people worldwide on the Internet. 2011 or 2001, uh, September 11, 2001, the World Trade Center attack, 16 million people worldwide, worldwide on the or, or 60 million. Um, we, we went up, um, I don't know what the number was. Sorry, I don't have it, but, but it, you know, it was, it was about 20% or, or less of people on the World Wide Web. Now we know that half the people are on the World Wide Web. Um, and, you know, we have 7 billion people in the world. Half are on the web. Um, a billion don't even have electricity. But anyway, in the U.S., virtually everybody's on the web. So we, 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 we've seen this, this rapid, you know, scaling up. Um, so she writes, this is, this is uh, Professor Nikki Escher. We've seen disasters through Facebook where you can mark yourself safe and then have, um, movements toward giving people a chance to check in. But this is one of the first real disasters where you see rescuing via social media. You see images that the media couldn't possibly get, she says. Um, and I'm going to go down a little bit. Um, Still, social media carried with it the usual dangers of unvetted information online, BuzzFeed News, compile a list of hoaxes that have been shared on social media amid the storm, including insurance scams and fake news about water and other utilities being shut off. And experts warn that posting personal information, including addresses, phone numbers, could lead to identity theft or other problems. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, I... But again, you know, well, what is it? Your Equifax or Equivest or whatever, where you just had almost half the country's personal information hacked out of your base or 500 million people off of Yahoo. I guess I wouldn't be real concerned in, in considering the, the situation and the context of, of doing this. So she writes, nobody should take a, a picture in front of their house and post on social media. Um, that's not a good practice. I disagree disagree with that i don't i don't agree with that in the hurricane event um if you give your address out in your location people can find a picture of your house through google maps anyway so if you can have a context i mean i had somebody deliver something to my house um that i bought um 70 miles from here and i sent them a picture of my house like from the road. I'm like, this is what my house looks like. And I stood back way so you could kind of see the neighborhood a little bit. I'm like, you get here. This is what the house looks like. Um, I don't think this is going to pose. It's not like looters are going to target in on that house because you're there anyway. But, um, I, I, I just don't, I, I don't see this. I mean, I think this, this information is so ubiquitous anyway that to, to say, don't post a picture on social media. No, post a picture on social media. Then you know where the hell to go. Right? A visual? That's what I use. I'm like, what? what's next to it? There's a Taco Bell? Okay, that helps me. A picture. There's red brick in front. There's a chimney. There's a tree. Okay, you know this. There's a basketball hoop. Yeah, that helps, okay? So I don't know. I don't agree with you there, Nikki. Um, so anyway. So um, uh, Houston Police Department is saying, Houston, back you know, with Harvey is saying, 
Please do not use uh, Houston Police Department social media accounts for social media requests. If you have life-threatening emergency, 911 is the best way. The U.S. Coast Guard tells Time magazine that while they monitor, keyword monitor, social media during crisis situations, same as they do during regular operations, they do not monitor them in a way that would be appropriate for emergency response or management. If you need assistance, the Coast Guard says dial 911. Um, here's the deal, folks. We know 911 got swamped. People were emailing me telling me um, we couldn't get through to 911 or 311 or we got through to 911 and we got put on hold or whatever, so then they, they turned to social media. So, again, I'm not saying don't go to 911, but if it's like 911 and social media, it seemed to have worked during Harvey, and you're not going to get people to break this this way that they've been doing this. Okay, this is work for them. This is what people use right now. The fact is that your system is not engineered to integrate and interface with the technology that people are using, okay? So that's where this issue is coming in. Um, so some on social media got the message, sharing posts with a list of emergency phone numbers uh, people can call, including the Houston Police Department non-emergency line in the Coast Guard in Texas. So anyway, um, uh, uh, Nikki Usher, okay, yeah, there's a correction here. Nikki Usher is with George Washington University, not Washington University. Okay. For whatever that matters right now. But, um, so anyway, folks, here, here, here's a flat out deal for, for Irma. Okay. If you are in Florida and if you're anywhere in that Tampa South area, You've been warned to evacuate. Uh, Governor uh, Rick Scott had has done a really nice nice job. I mean, in in the last podcast, I was I was pretty critical. I'm not I'm not critical this time. Good job, Rick Scott. Brock Long with FEMA. If anything, though, I I, I just I, I I still think we need a stronger response at a federal level. Um, mobilizing military bases, proximal. Um, you know, to these to these areas, and we then also need to clearly identify staging areas for resources coming in. We don't have that right now, and we have to somehow understand how this crowd rescue HQ and how how this works and how people are going to be dispatched um, and and rescued. Again, this works pretty well because people are pretty they're smart. They have tacit knowledge. They understand their equipment. They have, um, you know, two-way radios. They can communicate with with each other, especially digital radios. Um, have the means to do that. You have GPS. You you know where you are. You can ping to GPS. I still think drones have a have a have a potential significant role in hurricane response once the hurricane has passed to get in quickly do reconnaissance. Um, I'm guessing they're probably not going to be used again for. Irma, because they weren't used for, for Harvey. I mean, there was some drone footage, but I mean, there was not a organized like here. We're breaking everything into quadrants, and part of that has some technical limit, limitations with with the way that drones are right now too. But that's going to go away. Um, we also know that drones are going to become much more um, robust for weather. You know, probably not like you know, well, they won't be able to fly out in hundred mile an hour winds, but. Um, you know, battery life and all these things are gonna are gonna get better, but that's where our reconnaissance you know comes in, comes into play. 
um, of understanding the areas that have been been hit and and identifying those right away. Plus, if somebody says like, "I need help and I'm in this area," um, you might be able in a couple of years to send a drone out to that area and to firsthand get a surveillance, you know, with that or make some you know communication with a person, you know, through that means. Or that drone can go ahead and can can kind of monitor that area for the rescuers that go behind. So um, right now there are six point three. As I give this give this podcast six three six point three million people under uh, mandatory evacuation from Florida. I believe Florida has a population of about twenty million. Doesn't have a great interstate system. Um, uh, I drove the I four back in March. Uh, that's slow kind of congested, especially once you get north. Um, I think when we cross from Alabama into into uh, Florida, once we get into I-75, I don't know if it was two lanes or three, but it wasn't It wasn't more than three. So um, we know we're going to have a slow rescue out of there. At some point, they're going to have to shut down the 75, probably the 95 also because of coastal proximity. So you don't want anybody stranded at your vehicles. Right now, if you can't get out, get to a um, get to a, a, a rescue area um, proximal to your your location. Um, that's going to be more obviously fortified, and it's probably going to have more resources in that. Anything can be replaced. I know that's horrible. People say that you know, like they they lose things, um, but you can't be replaced. Things can be replaced. We don't know. The impact of the storm surge, again, we're talking Miami six and a half feet above sea, sea level. So you can have storm in, in tide, tide right now. Plus we have close to full moon. So we're going to have a situation where we're going to have tides going miles inland. Okay. Miles inland. And for Tampa, we also have a situation where we could have, have tides, you know, going significantly inland. 75 feet above sea level. And again, this ranges. Again, you get closer to the, to the ocean and it drops. That's not a lot. Okay. Um, you know, that, that's, that's not a lot. We talk about, you know, Denver, the mile high city, a mile above sea level. So, um, you know, when you are in these coastal areas, um, it doesn't take much for storm surge to go several miles inland. When I talk about storm surge, I'm talking about water over roads and just flooding in where all it is is water. It just overtakes the land. Um, so, you know, a real serious concern, folks. So here, here's what I'm parting with. Um, if you have time to evacuate, evacuate. If you don't have time to evacuate, um, you know, preserve your, your, um, you know, power is going to go. Preserve your technology. I have something I'm doing. I'm going to show right here on social media through, um, YouTube, but it's called Jackery. I'm not getting, it's not a paid promo. Um, Jackery, J A C K E R Y, Jackery. This thing is about, um, I, I don't, I don't know what this is the size of, but it's, it's maybe three and a half inches long by an inch and a half wide. Easily fits in a pocket. It's, it's steel. It's sturdy. This thing charges. So you can charge this off a USB port. And then on the other 
you can flip the plug around. It's really cool here. So, again, of course, if you're watching this, it's Jackery, J-A-C-K-E-R-Y, and they make them for different devices. This thing maybe cost me 20 30 bucks. I bought this off Amazon. Um, and and this will charge my phone like two times. This will charge my phone, my Android, two times. And uh, then I can go back and plug it in, and it'll also – um, you know, charge other, other devices, but it'll, it'll charge my phone. So I use it when I bike because when I bike, you know, my, my phone loses, loses charge after 70, 80 miles and, you know, this boosts it back up. But, um, this is invaluable. Now, like, I don't think you have Amazon Prime one hour. So you're, you're probably not going to get any use out of this right now, but look at something like this, especially if you live, well, I mean, if you live anywhere. Um, because power can go out, um, but this thing is fully charged right now, and actually has a little button um, right here. It lights up blue. Then again, you can see this if you're watching YouTube. If not, you've got to trust me. And I don't know how to shut it off exactly. I think it just shuts off on its own in a little bit here. But um, this thing is really slick, folks. So again, this is this is mandatory. You know that you have. If you are seeking, whoa, I almost wiped out our microphone here. Um, okay, if you are seeking help via social media, keep it brief. Short text messages get through. Um, this is a thing where, too, if you're taking a JPEG, you can take a JPEG image. Again, I'm telling you this, and this is not what the story or whoever, whatever, because I'm, I guess, it's different opinions. But if you take a JPEG, um, and uh, of, of your location, um, then, you know, of like the actual, of, of the house or, or whatever is going on, um, you can take that JPEG and, and bring that into a program like PowerPoint and, paste it and then save it like export it as jpeg what happens is you take your phone picture and it's like four meg or you know four meg or something it takes up a lot it's a big picture you can switch it into a microsoft powerpoint export it as a jpeg i mean if you've got this on your laptop available to you and it literally you know might take like 100k or something like that so it's a fraction of the bandwidth to send this out because remember bandwidth is Anything that consumes a lot of bandwidth is going to get kicked out. Text is going to be your number one if you can text. If you're on Facebook, keep your text short. And if you do give a location, the fact is, even if cellular goes down, the GPS maps are known, your area is known, um, that's all been recorded, and GPS on responders ping to satellites. Also, though, responders are not going to come out to help you um, if their lives are going to be put at risk during the storm. So you've got to understand that fully. And I don't know what this is totally going to look like on when we look back on this in a few months. And, of course, it looks like we have other storms in, in the on deck circle waiting to come in. But I don't know what this is going to look like in a few months. Um, so how how these rescues actually played out, like who harvested the information, who got it to the various dispatch agencies, how it was checked off, how it was confir confirmed, and things like that. The thing different here, too, versus Houston is I, I don't think we're going to have as much of people saying, like, I'm stranded here in my house. I think what we're going to have, though, is people saying, like, I've, I've 
evacuate it from Tampa and I'm up to like this place north of Orlando and everything's backed up and I need help because of whatever um, you know either a medical thing or I'm out of meds or like I don't have food or you know whatever it could be and then you're gonna have to figure out how you're gonna deal how you're gonna deal with that so um, I had worked I, I taught a university course years ago years ago it was Hurricane Katrina and a student of mine was was in Slidell, um, Louisiana, which just got hammered by by Hurricane Katrina. She was evacuated like 30 miles north initially, so this was an online class. So then a day later, she's like, "Here's where I am. I'm like at this this you know gymnasium, and I'm Red Cross and participating in class." And then she'd be like, "Oh, but we we just been informed we have to evacuate because we're moving further inland." So she'd evacuate like three four times. That's something that could happen very well with this, too, because we don't know how this is going to amplify. Again, I talked about the potential energy, which is in the warm waters around Florida right now, and we also have high humidity, high temperatures. That that warmth converts into kinetic energy, which is power. Um, so we don't know how this storm is, is going to kind of rev up. So we could have people evacuate to a certain area, or maybe people even evacuate, you know, north, closer to Tallahassee, and they might be told, you need to go further north yet. So that's the situation where people are going to be, be logging into social media, especially people that don't know where they are, are going to be doing this too, okay, um, if they're not used to those areas. You know, if I got moved out of my hometown by 50 miles, I'd be, I'd be having some questions because I'm like, I don't know what's around here. So... um I, I I want to thank and and really give an appreciation out to Rick Scott in Florida. Rick Scott, the governor of Florida, you've done a, a great job. This is very difficult to manage. Um, Brock Long with FEMA, and I'm thankful, Brock, you're from that that area, um, so you already are familiar with what the resources and the demography and geography are down in those areas. Um, and and please. If you're with the Cajun Navy, with the Cajun Army, Texas Army, whatever groups, um, and throughout the country sending uh, self-dispatching to these events, um, please try to work to stage. Maybe this is where crowdrescuehq.org, I guess, you know, I'm not giving a full endorsement to them just because I don't know enough about them. I need to interview and, and talk. That might be your best bet, though, because to try to come in before um, you know, infrastructure has be, been determined safe. And again, you don't want to come in while the hurricane is, is active because that puts you at risk and it's not going to do any good. It turns you as a rescuer into someone who needs to be rescued. Um, but, but this is something that's really interesting right now in history. We, we have this, the social media, which we've talked about, and I think we have to embrace that instead of telling people nine, nine, one, one, dial three, eleven. Well, that's good, but if that's not working, social media, keep your hashtags short, and then however that happens, it's probably not going to be very effective, but it's better than nothing. Um, and this is the way rescues will be of the future. We're in a social media world, folks. Um, so we need to adapt these systems of FEMA, National Guard, state response, federal response to interface with these systems through an instant command system. We also need to stage our resources uh, that are going to be, excuse me, coming to you to, to help out with this. Thank you to all my agents in the field. Um, 
there have been countless people, countless people who have contacted me directly. I appreciate that I've been able to make my contacts with various people. Um, I don't have any additional information, unfortunately, to share. There isn't like the single clearinghouse for information. I appreciate the Red Cross. One thing the Red Cross has is scalability. They can scale up really, really fast. Now, they've been strained with Houston. So if you can support the Red Cross, I appreciate that. Um, I, 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 I know some um, members in the Red Cross that, that travel the country, know them personally. And um, and I, I'm just a, 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 have so much respect for these individuals. Um, so please support the 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 Red Cross and support, um, you know, local drives of, of you know, that are, that are put on through reputable organizations to get resources down. This is another thing. Like, again, we've got, again, I talked about the Kmart parking lot. There's a semi and it's like a big sign, like hurricane, you know, you know, Houston supplies and whatever. The thing is like, that's, good but it's a little more grassroots here so i'm like well my question is like who are you interfacing with because i don't see like a red cross banner and it's it's legit i mean i'm not arguing that because there's an article in the paper and some things like that but but it's like i need to know more about that and, and i think that happens across this whole country and it's like you know if you have all these resources coming in you have to wait a way to again manage them in a way to distribute them um that that makes sense so and we do know, we can anticipate the Tampa, Miami, a lot of these areas are going to have their water systems compromised for a period of time, um, electrical systems uh, compromised. And, and, and plus, I mean, we could be dealing with the same thing in another week to 10 days, you know, with, with uh, the hurricane, I don't know, Jake or whatever it is, um, next in line. So um, interesting times. I, I think, though, we have we have seen through the Cajun Navy, through civilians, some awesome things. Um, hats off to our, our fire departments, to the to you know Rick Scott, Florida government, National Guard. Um, but I think again we have we have this need now to interface all of these organizations to be more efficient and to recognize, acknowledge social media and not try to, to um, limit it, I guess, because that's just not the way things are going to be. We're not going to limit it. And also these, these grassroots, tacit knowledge organizations that come together like the Cajun Navy and things like that, to not regulate them, to welcome them in to these types of sentinel events, but to have a place to stage them and a place then to identify when they're going out or when maybe it's the fire department going out, you know, and who is doing what roles and then how information is coming back. Because like I said, you know, I've read these documents, you know, from people in the field, the agents in the field who volunteer and who have worked on this, and they said, you know, we're getting information, Dave, um, and, and we're getting it out of, like, who's been rescued and who's not. But I'm like, I, but I'm not sure. But then what if someone is tracking Twitter with another organization and they don't see like that someone has been responded to. So then they dispatch because again, I think you get these redundant dispatches. I don't, I don't know how effective that is. And Houston is, was, it's different. Houston was high water and flooding. Um, Miami is going to be significantly more infrastructure damage, less roads 
and you are going to have significant issues with, um, you know, with water and basic necessities. And then as people come back into the, um, you know, lower Florida regions, if you're bringing people in on already compromised infrastructure and rescuers, you're going to have a big issue with that, which you didn't have as much in Houston because just looking at the map, you could come in from the north or the south or the west. So um, thank you very much for listening to the Safety Doc Podcast. I appreciate John Grant and the 405 Media, Los Angeles, California. You can listen daily to the Safety Doc Podcast, 2 p.m. Thank you to everybody out in Orange County, out in Los Angeles, and worldwide for following the show. Um, the following is really ramped up, and I appreciate the discourse. I appreciate the direct contacts, um, you know, like being contacted by Fox and Fox News, Fox and Friends, and, and other media, significant media contacting me, sometimes just asking me questions of, like, what are the questions that we should ask, Dave, about some of these things? about some of these rescues or like the psychology of transference dynamic and rescue and things like that. So um, I'm always available, you know, for that and, and glad to, to help with that. Um, and as I've said at the close of the previous podcast, uh, a nation is behind you and please, uh, you know, stay positive during these, these times. Um, I, you know, I was down in Disney Orlando in March and I saw some pictures um, just recently of, you know, as, as the rains, you know, just start to move in. But but just thinking of what it would be like in Disney, you know, Orlando is going, going to get rains and winds, but it's not, it's not going to get what, what Tampa is going to get um, as far as the storm surge in the other areas. But just um, thinking of, of the humanity, uh, you know, we, we do great things. We can, this crowd rescue HQ and these, these organic things, these grassroots that come up. These are the things we need to embrace and celebrate as a nation. I also think we need to get the military involved. If you're in the military, you participate in this, think about how you feel helping your own country. Um, so we have National Guard, but I think mobilize even more military for this, to short-term rescue of coming in, um, helping setting up basic, uh, you know, in, infrastructure, you know, um, and, and, and then, you know, getting back out and letting your, your local rescuers. And do not... You know, we might have a pause in this because it's been very popular right now in support of the Cajun Navy and things, but do not go in and regulate these civilian organizations because they were key in rescuing um, uh, thousands of, of people. And the fact is, like Houston, and it's going to be Miami, and it's going to be um, Tampa and, and so forth, do not have the means to support these types of massive sentinel rescues no matter how great they they are as professionals and, and the equipment that they have, that's just not enough when something like this happens. So um, please em embrace and, and support um, people coming in. So um, I, I just as a close here, um, and, you know, what, why don't we take a break, of course, right at the end of the show. I staged this pretty, pretty poorly, but... <laughs> A lot to cover. And, again, this is like the third time I've recorded this because things have changed. But a um, little bit about the safety doc right here. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast. 
with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. And welcome back. So, um, really fascinating. Uh, someone came up and, and said, if you're staying in Florida right now, um, you can express your anger and rage by firing your guns at the storm. And I think there's like 46,000 people who have signed up to do this. So, of course, it'll have no impact. Um, but I, I just thought, wow, that's, that's kind of strange, um, firing your, your weapons up at the storm. I'd say it'd be better to take out your fan, your box fan, or your biggest fans you, you have and aim them up at the storm and try to blow it away. That would be, that would be the better, that'd be the better approach. But no, kind of, it, it just strikes me just kind of a weird thing. I remember in the movie Independence Day with Will Smith and, and they were running those, those little ads on, or those, these announcements on TV. Do not fire at the, the alien spaceship. You don't want to start an intergalactic war. So I don't think we have that going on, but, uh, but yeah. And crowdrescuehq.org. I'm going to learn more about you. I want to get, I've got some contacts within the organization. I want to get you on a show in the future and talk more. Um, so please do not take anything I've said today being negative about your organization. I think the grassroots part of the rescues and the dispatch are essential and have proven to be very effective and need to be a part of these rescues now and going forward. It's just, I don't know a lot about how this works. And as I said before, I don't think it's as much as, um, of, of trying in the future maybe to not use these things and use 911 other things. I, I think these are here to stay. We have to figure out how to interface with these in a way that's much more efficient because we could search the same area 10 times and another area that has just as much need doesn't get searched, okay? Or because you are in one area and, and you, you just inundate Twitter and, you know, with maybe family members and whatever, um, it can be a matter of the people that tweet the most get the most help, and which really isn't how we want to dispatch either. So um, we've got to figure these things out. They will. It's an exciting time. I think it's a good time. It's It, it has a lot of potential. It's It's going to be the way rescues will happen going forward. Um, so, and... Again, I'll, these spaghetti models and meteorologists and people trying to do that with predictions and things like that. Think again. Think again, folks, because that was horrifically off. And you really did not help the people of Tampa. And this, you know, there was also a break. It was the, the mayor of Miami-Dade County. And I came up and I talked about, I don't know where I talked about that, but I don't have the documents. Maybe I do. Um, I don't know. I don't think I do. But. Um, 
The mayor of Miami-Dade had said a couple days ago that the hurricane seemed to be weakening. It was like at noon it said this. So gave a couple, so said, you know, we're going to kind of see. We're not going to issue like the mandatory evacuation. Then like seven hours later said, yeah, we're totally doing it. And I'm thinking, oh, you just lost seven hours. Like the and this whole fact of it seems to be weakening. But we know hurricanes weaken and strengthen, especially when we have warm waters um, around Florida. I mean, the Atlantic typically is the warmest off of, of the Florida coast, um, August 10th and, and into September and, and, and things like that. But we know we have warm waters. We had that. We had that measured. We had temperatures. We had humidity. The Gulf was still warm. So, you know, there was a high risk of, of this potential energy being turned to kinetic energy and again, you never know how these storms are going to, to go. That's where, you know, I talk, I, I talked previously too about this butterfly effect thing of, 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 you know, chaos and trying to predict chaos. Chaos is nonlinear. You can't predict chaos. A, a hurricane is chaos. A hurricane is going to be influenced by so many different variables of little different heat waves of winds and things like this and momentum and whatever that, you know, you're, you will eventually get it within kind of a range, but, but you cannot predict these things to a precision level. Um, so thank you again to everybody who's volunteering to the people who are firefighters, police, EMS, who are staying behind to work the hospitals. Thank you very much. So the, the rescue centers. People who have been impacted by this, my thoughts are with you. The thoughts of a nation are with you. Please take care of yourself, um, and I will work very diligently after this is done to get a better understanding of about how this hashtag works. And I also want to get somebody on um, from the Cajun Navy. Again, I've, I've made many connections, um, and, and to talk specifically about that. I have made it very um, well-known to legislators in Louisiana, for example, that I will back the Cajun Navy in any type of um, testimony, deposition, whatever, as my safety expertise in saying they should not be regulated. Um, so, you know, you have my, my, I have your back in these situations. I will be putting this into some publications too that'll be coming out, probably some, some white papers and things like that. So take care of yourself and God bless all of you. Thank you very much for listening to the Safety Doc podcast. Subscribe on Twitter at SafetyPhD. I'll give you uh, frequent updates on Hurricane Irma. I'll try to give you the rhetoric-free information that I find. Uh, you can feel free to, to DM me, um, and you can you know get a hold of me. My email is available through my blog site and things like that too. I'll give you what I can. I'll work with you to try to, to bridge into organizations. Again, I'm in Wisconsin. I'm not in Florida, but I do have a number of connections throughout the United States. I'm actually building on a world level here for safety. So thank you again. God bless all of you.